Hello, and welcome to We Random, episode 36, recording on April 23rd, 2021. Hey, B, what's the best part about living in Switzerland? I don't know. What is the best part, Christopher? I don't know either, but the flag is a big plus. A big... Oh, More after man. this, everybody. <laughs> Almost Qualified Productions. Your dose of semi-coherent babbling. Welcome to We Random, episode 36. I'm Brian. That's Christopher. Say hello to the people, Christopher. Hello to each and every one of the peoples. Good evening, afternoon, morning. Whenever you are listening to or viewing this podcast, we welcome you into We Random. Today, we have our Wheel of Doom. As you can see, if you're watching, we have lots of topics. If you're listening, we have 13 potential topics that could come up. At least I think I counted that right. It could not be 13. Who knows? But six, that's six. That's 13. Yeah. All right. Look at me. I learned how to count at some point in my life. But hey, we are going to try to get through, you know, as many of these as time allows. And after that, we are going to continue random rankings from last week where we are going to our mega bracket. So we've got a lot to cover. We want to jump right into things. But before we jump right into things, Christopher, do you have any words of wisdom or other thoughts for the people out here? You know, I, uh, I busted out some Mr. Rhythm last week, and I don't know how well that went over. Mr. Rhythm had another good quote, um, and I believe it was, if you can make it all through the night, without committing suicide, then you okay. I don't know if that one's as good as the other one, but... I feel like that one's a lot darker than the other it is def- it is one. Darker. Whoa. Yeah. yeah, don't be hating on Mr. Rhythm, though. He's he's the man. Woof. All right, well, <laughs> we Mr. got Rhythm's the wheel. In the fucking wheel. Let's go to the wheel. There's a lot of stuff on this wheel, and we are going to start with... All right, so I abbreviated this National R Day... Because this is a this is this could be triggering for some people. So it, it does mention sexual assault that goes to letter R. So just uh, so you're aware of that. But B, what's this all about? Yeah, this is a uh, trigger warning topic, but I wanted to cover it so that we are able to all have a discussion about it. In the past few weeks, TikTok users have posted warnings of an upcoming National Rape Day or National sexual assault day that would legalize sexual assault for 24 hours. When uh, contacted, a TikTok representative said the supposed trend being reported as abhorrent and would be a direct violation of our community guidelines. While we haven't seen evidence of this trend on our platform, our safety team is vigilant and will remove any content. Uh, when reviewing this, Snope says that while no current videos were able to be found online, evidence of this internet joke goes back to at least 2018, according to posts on Urban Dictionary. So I'll start this one because I'm the one who put this topic on the wheel. And I just want to say, what the fuck? Who thinks that this is even remotely funny. It's not funny. It's not humorous. There's a lot of things on the internet that people think are funny. I don't believe that this is one of them. What are your thoughts, Christopher? 
Yeah, it's fucking disgusting is what it is. Um, and I have seen some of these videos, actually. I saw, I saw one because, you know, I'm, I'm a fairly avid TikTok user. It's a bedtime, uh, you know, thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, so what I saw was it, it went, they, they called duets, I think, or stitches or something like that. It's when somebody posts a video and then you, you like post a response and then their video is like on the side or something like that. So, um, it started, it started off with, Hey, this coming Thursday or whatever the date is, um, you can go do whatever you want and it's free or what, just something disgusting. And, uh, the person. The person responded to it is I have to chuckle and, and you will too when you hear the response. And I'm sure this has been taken down. Um, but basically it was somebody saying, this is not a thing. This is not okay. This is never okay. And I would suggest that any women who have to be out and about on this day, carry protection. If you live in a state where you can carry a gun, carry a gun. And if somebody tries to touch you, fucking shoot them. I don't know if that, that may be going a little bit far, but you know what? It's, uh, yeah, this, this is just fucking stupid. And I think there's, I think there's a couple things to it. So first of all, there are people out there that do this kind of stuff, right? So there's that. Um, I think there's a, there's a large group of people who they may not actively take part in this type of activity, but I think that they are not worried about it, not concerned about it, just because I think in their mind, because let's be honest, rape isn't about sex. It's about dominance, it's about power. I think there's a lot of men in this country who are okay with it because of that, because they look down on women, because they, they see women as less than. And then I think the extra level, which is probably where a lot of this is coming from, to be honest, are just fucking little internet trolls, just people who like to poke people's buttons and they laugh about it to their friends. And they're normally 13 year old kids who have no life and they never will. And hopefully one day they grow out of it, but they probably won't. So I think, I think that's kind of where this is coming from. I don't think it's going to amount to anything. Um, is there one or two bad apples out there that might see this and say, ha ha ha, let's do this. I would hate to say that there is, but there probably are. So when is, what is the date of this? Is it Thursday? Thursday seems to stick in my head, but whatever it is, ladies, if you're out there, just be extra cautious. I mean, it's disgusting that I have to say that. It's disgusting that you have to be on guard all the time in your normal life. I hate that this is the world we live in. I mean, we just I just mentioned that my niece is in the fucking chat, or at least she was earlier. She is right there. She just commented, it's tomorrow, the 24th. Yeah, I didn't even want to mention the date because this is just reprehensible that even if it's internet trolls, that people even want to go to this point because we do live in a culture where people treat women as subservient and there for their specific wants, desires, and needs. And that is something that really presses my buttons because it is very similar to how black and brown people are treated. And it just yeah. disgusts me. Yeah. So moral of the story is people are assholes and make sure you protect yourself. Yeah, let's let's let's, let's get off of this one because I just like I wanted to bring it to light just to show that people go, oh no, people don't do this kind of stuff. This kind of stuff is out there all the fucking time. You just have to open your eyes to it. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Uh, B, let's talk about black players in Major League Baseball. All right, so let's talk about that. Now we did just talk about this a couple of weeks ago, but we'll talk about it again now. 
My link is gone, so I have to find it again. But former MLB All-Star Jimmy Rollins has shared some thoughts on the decline of black players in MLB. Rollins attributes the lack of black athletes in today's game to several factors, such as marketing and socioeconomic factors. Rollins says the NBA and NFL, they plaster the faces of those guys all over the screen. Baseball, on the other hand, there isn't a great deal of marketing. Obviously, everyone knows Mike Trout, and rightfully so, but there are some young black players that deserve light too. So as a statistic to kind of help folks consider what this looks like, when Rollins made his first All-Star game, 13% of MLB players were black. That number is down to 7.6% here in 2021. So Christopher, tell us a little bit What are your thoughts on the kind of diversity gap in MLB with black players? Yeah, I wish that this had outlined like um, more percentages so you could see like kind of where that's going. My guess is that this is probably leaning more towards players from Latin America because that group of individuals just kind of taking over major leagues in a a big way. Um, But I think that that the way to look at this is to, to Jimmy Rollins's point, which for the record, if you're not a baseball fan, he was an ama- he was a great player. Like he's probably not a hall of famer, but he was a really, really good player for a lot of years. And, um, you know, he talks about the fact that the game isn't marketed well, which I have been yelling from the rooftops. And he says, and, and, and it wasn't actually the article that was linked, but it was the original article I read. He's like, well, everybody knows Mike Trout. They don't. Not everybody knows Mike Trout. A lot of people have no idea who Mike Trout is. Everybody knows who LeBron James is. Everybody knows who Tom Brady is. Not everybody knows who Mike Trout is. A lot of people have no idea who Mike Trout is. And a vast majority of the people who do know who Mike Trout is have no fucking idea how good Mike Trout is. I mean, we are literally watching one of the greatest players to ever play the game if you look at the numbers that he's putting up, right? And that's because Major League Baseball is horrible about marketing their, their game marketing their players. They're just, they're disgustingly bad at it. And you take that to the fact that how are you going to get more people to, you know, to join into your sport? I mean, let's be honest, and, and maybe this makes me an asshole to say so, but if you're in Latin America, most of those kids who grow up to be major league players, they don't have a lot of choice, right? Like if I don't, if I can't get into sports or baseball in particular, or soccer, I'm sure is big there too, if I can't get into a sport, what what are they going to be doing with their life? It's just they're they're brought up predominantly in very poor conditions, and that's their way out. So they bust their ass to get there. And you could argue that a lot of that is is similar in some other sports where they do a really good job catering, especially to inner cities and to places where people are where 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 you can really people want to grab a hold of that dream and chase it. Baseball doesn't do that. Now let's be honest; it's it's harder to get a baseball team together than a basketball team, right? I mean, all you need is a hoop and a ball and two guys. I mean, really just one guy and you can play basketball. Uh, baseball, you need a lot more people. So that's more that's more difficult too. But there's, there's no reason that MLB can't make this happen. They're just not making it happen. So let's talk a little bit about the socioeconomic factors that Rollins mentions. I have a really good example here in Wisconsin. So the um, Rock Complex, that's a complex owned by the folks who own the Milwaukee Milkman and the Milwaukee Wave. They just built this giant sports complex with baseball fields and like a football field and like the soccer kind of indoor soccer area. Where the fuck did they build it? Franklin. What's in Franklin? 
not a diverse population, not public transportation, not a way for diverse individuals to get out there, right? That kind of is one of the things that Rollins is getting at in the sense that, you know, you have to have the space for people to be able to play baseball. You have to Mm -hmm. have the materials. You have to have bats and gloves and cleats and all of these different things. So it really becomes a socioeconomic discussion too. And I think that the thing that was just built out here in Franklin is a really great thing because if there were individuals in the inner city for Milwaukee who wanted to play baseball, they can't get out there unless they have a car or their parents have a car or someone is able to drive them to this. They can't access that via public transportation. There is no public transportation out there, right? Yeah. Like these are the yeah. kind of things that I feel like we need to consider when we're thinking about how do you increase diversity? It's not just on MLB, but it's on the fact that colleges, high schools, all these prep teams and things like that, you need to be able to recruit from the lowest level and get people up, 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 up to these highest levels. So that's the thing. And and I said that, you know, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about MLB kind of taking that stand and removing the all-star game from Atlanta. And I feel like this really is another example of that because these are the things that we've identified and these are the ways that MLB, and obviously I think they're trying to do something. So like, yay, but it's going to take a while for that to take hold, especially given how um, different things are for, you know, the NBA and even the NFL in terms of attracting and retaining, you know, black players. Yeah. But I mean, really how hard is it, right? You just put initiative in, Maybe you give some sort of a credit to the teams and say, hey, go do something in your community. I mean, a lot of the teams are going to do that individually on their own, but you know, like that, you've already got a built-in, both both a fan base and you've got a built-in organization that can help out, right? So Major League Baseball themselves don't have to do it, but but take on the initiative to say, we need to do this. We need to make changes. Here, Here's a plan on how we can make the changes. Let me hand this out to all of our different clubs here's your incentive, whatever the hell that may be, go out and make this happen. It's not that goddamn difficult. You just need somebody to get off their fucking ass, stop licking Rob Menfred's fucking feet, and stop trying to ruin the game of baseball and instead try to improve it for people. It's not that difficult. But let's, we need to take a step back even because let's look at the way that baseball is set up, right? So as a minor league player, you are drafted or signed out of high school or college. You are playing for potentially six years for a salary that's one one hundredth or one tenth of what you could potentially make in the NBA or, you know, NFL, right? Like there is a big salary disparity when it comes to MLB that also disincentivizes a lot of players to want to go towards MLB versus going to the NFL or NBA. Because obviously in MLB, if you are a great player and you stick through and you get your service time and you do all that, then yes, you might get a $300 million contract, but you're going to get that at, you know, a between like what, 25 and 30 when in the NBA, you can walk in at 19 and get paid probably what, $60 million. You know, you can walk into the NFL at 2021 and get a contract that's going to be worth probably $30 million. Right. Like these are the disparities well, that I well, think let's are keep in also mind, important. There's, 
there's like 50 people that are drafted in the NBA every year. Like every one of these professional sports, if that's your goal, you're trying to win the lottery. You're trying to win multiple lotteries to make that happen, right? So I think trying to bank on that as a career isn't the brightest idea. Like the goal is you have to just get people who are interested in playing the damn game. And in order to get people interested, you have to give them the opportunity to play the game. Right. And right now, these kids just don't have the opportunity to play the game. So even if they wanted to try to win that that lottery, the multiple lotteries it would take, they're just going to go play basketball because that's, you know what, it doesn't matter what your socioeconomical economic stance is, where you're at, what your status is, what color you are. All you need is a hoop and a ball and you can fucking play basketball, period. That's all it takes. And you don't even need a full court. You don't even need a regulation basketball. Like there's... All you need, you can fucking put a basket on the ground and throw a ball into it. Like there's a million ways you can do that. With baseball, there's nothing. And it, it's going to take a lot more organization to be able to get that put together. And right. they just they just need the leadership to do that. And let's be honest, the guy in the head of MLB is a fucking idiot. He's not going to push through anything. So somebody has to get their, their fucking head out of their ass and try to do something. Otherwise, this is never going to change. I agree. All right. I'm starting to get irritated. I'm spinning the wheel. <laughs> All right, spin it up, spin it up. It's going to be something I'm super irritated about. Maybe not. Okay, I, I don't, I'm not that irritated about this. Uh, the European Super League, another sports topic. All right. I, I don't see our uh, friend Philip in the chat because he would really need to explain this to me. <laughs> but earlier this week, 12 of Europe's biggest clubs announced plans to break away from the established soccer order and form a Super League. The plan was ultimately short-lived after the league lost the backing of the six Premier League club teams, and then more teams left on Wednesday and on days following that. I didn't even hear that it fell apart. That's amazing. Yep. So the Super League was a long-discussed idea for a closed competition that would feature Europe's biggest clubs. The intention was to break away from the UEFA, which would allow the sport to evolve while generating resources and stability for the full football pyramid, which basically, to me, kind of sounds like they didn't like the cash flow. This is the old ZE feed me. They were looking for that. Feed me of the week. They wanted to make that money on their own. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this, Christopher? How yeah, much do you know? So, where, where are you at with this? Uh, yeah, I know a bit about this. And we talked about it in the stream a little bit earlier this week. And I talked to a friend of mine who's a big soccer guy. So essentially what, what, what the plan was, was that these, these what is it, 12 clubs were part of three different leagues. So there's a Premier League in England there is La Liga, I believe, is in Spain, and then whatever the Italian league is called. Um, a bunch of the teams, the big teams there, who are already rich as fuck, they wanted to create their own league so they could play their own games and make themselves even more richer than fuck. That's basically what this is. It was all about money. Um, the way that uh, soccer in in Europe works, as far as I understand, and I'm not big on this, but is they have different leagues that kind of play their own thing. And then they bring the champions of that into what's called the Champions League. And then they all play out to see who's the champion of Europe. Um, basically, the Champions League said, well, if you're going to, the, the, the schedule, I guess, was going to conflict with the Champions League. So now a bunch of the best teams in, in the league wouldn't be playing in the Champions League. On top of that, um, the, the bodies who control like international soccer, they, I, I don't know that they came down hard on this, but they were kind of hinting at the fact that if you're part of a club that's playing in the Super League, we're not going to let you play internationally against other other countries. So that means the World Cup, 
gone. You can't play in the World Cup anymore. I think that's a pretty big impact too. Um, so yeah, so I, I I wanted to compare this to something, but the comp- best comparison I have actually pretty much came true. And I think that it speaks about just how horrible the BCS kind of is. Um, because in college football, we've got the BCS, right? Which is a, a playoff system where I think we're only at four teams, right? The top four teams that, that come up on this poll, they get to play each other. Well, let's be honest, the BCS, there's really like five conferences that get automatic bids. There's the big the big five or big six, whatever it is. So basically, this is what happened. It's basically this Super League in college football, right? Where they just said, hey, the, we're the big conferences, so we're going to get automatic bids. And there's every single year, there's a, a handful of teams that have really, really good seasons. But for whatever reason, the computers don't like them or the people voting don't like them. They don't even get a chance to compete. So... I think that's a pretty good example on why this is a horrible idea. And I know that I kind of cross sports and I cr- cross the, uh, the Atlantic ocean too, but, um, but yeah, this was just, this was nothing but, uh, a money grab. That's all it was. And, and I'm glad that it fell apart because it was stupid. And I don't even really care all that much about soccer, but it was just, it was just a horrible billionaires making billionaire decisions. That's all it was. Yeah. I mean, it's billionaires making billionaires decisions. Obviously, would it be good at soccer? Sure. It would. Right. Because yeah, sure. You have high-level athletes playing other high-level athletes. But again, like you said, it's a money grab. Basically, they want to be in control of who's in and who's out and who is always in and who can come in. Like, oh, your team's good this year, so we'll let you in. Your team's bad this year, so we won't let you. Like, it basically, I don't know. I I just looked at it, and I was like, eh, I don't really – care about this and then it fell apart so i was like cool don't have to worry about it <laughs> yeah i mean i guess just to continue the comparison it, it's like ohio state not having to play that game against you know western kentucky university or whatever right instead they're going to replace that with playing oregon or florida state or alabama right and instead of instead of this this team that you don't want to play that's it's going to be a waste of time and money and energy and all of that now you get to play a real team. Although college football doesn't do that. They want to play Western Kentucky University all the time so they can pump up the record. Right. But anyway, are we ready to move on? I am definitely ready to move on. That yeah, I don't know why we're talking shoot. about fucking soccer. Anyway. Nobody likes soccer. I like soccer, but... Nobody does. Okay. Uh, B, I think it's time that we give out an award here on uh, We Random. Uh-oh. We are going to give an award for the least vaccinated... Counties in the uh, in in the country here, B. What do you what do you got for us here? Oh, I thought awards to. I thought you were going for our drop, but apparently not. So, Christopher, the least vaccinated counties in the United States all have something in common. Do you know what that is? I do, but just to go with the gag, I'm gonna say no, B. What do they have in common? Well, the New York Times examined a survey and vaccine administration data for U.S. counties and found that both willingness to receive a vaccine and actual vaccination rates to date were lower on average in counties where a majority of residents voted to reelect former President Donald Trump in 2020. Bump, bump, bump. So, in interview. In interviews with state and county health officials, including some who said they were feeling weary after a year of hearing lifelong friends, family, and neighbors tell them that the virus was a hoax or not serious, these health experts attributed low vaccination rates partly to hesitant conservative populations. 
vaccine hesitancy was shown to be highest in counties that are rural and have lower income levels and college graduation rates, which were the same characteristics that were found in counties that were more likely to support Trump. Now, the uh, New York Times also looked at some of the wealthier Trump-supporting communities and found that the vaccination gap was smaller, but the partisan gap holds even after accounting for income, race, age, population density, and the county's infection and death rate. So, Christopher, does this surprise you? Does this seem to be what you expected? What are your thoughts on this one? Well, I think this proves that even rich people can be dumb as shit, too. I mean, really, right? Like, this isn't a surprise. Like, this is the same... Um, this is the same freaking story that, that Trump people were given throughout the whole last year and a half or whatever it's been, right? Like... I'm not going to wear a mask and I'm not going to get vaccinated and it's a, it's fake and it doesn't exist and blah, blah, blah. I guess this isn't a surprise. Um, they're, they're, I just want to call them idiots. Can I call them idiots? Cause they're fucking idiots. Let's be honest. I, I mean, I, I don't know how to, how to mince words. Not all of them, mind you, there's some that have some sense and they understand things, but, but a lot of them are just, uh, you know, they're just blinded. They're just, uh, they're just following blindly behind their, you know, their idiot leader. And, uh, the, yeah, so this doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, it's disheartening, um, especially because we live in a very, very red state outside of basically two metro areas. Um, so I, I would guarantee there's probably huge gaps all over this damn state. Uh, and, and that's unfortunate because it, it just means that a, there's going to be more people who are at risk. Um, and B, these are people who are going to, um, potentially get other people sick right and 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 and, and see it's uh, uh it's just going to extend the amount of time before people can truly feel safe out in the world even those who are vaccinated so yeah it's just dumb well it like i it's interesting because trump is the one who's like you wouldn't even have these vaccines if it weren't for me they're safe they're appropriate but again it goes back to your point of a lot of these individuals were fed the propaganda for months and months and months. This isn't yeah. a big deal. You are still safe. You need to continue on. You don't need this. But then you also have individuals like Wisconsin's own Ron Johnson, who came out, I think it was in a radio interview, saying that he doesn't understand why we're pushing vaccines on people and vaccines should only be for the most needy of people. And if you have a vaccine, you shouldn't care if someone else has a vaccine. You should mind your own business and there shouldn't be vaccine passports and like all of this stuff. So again, uh, again, again, idiots. I mean, that that's one way you could also play the drop for Ron Johnson. But I mean, that's uh, we can also look at the wheel and see if we've got some other folks out there <laughs> who could qualify for that. But like, that's the thing, like people's heads have been filled with all of this misinformation and that, I think, is a big part of this. Like, there are so many people who I've seen say, oh, well, you know, if I take the vaccine, it's going to make me impotent. And then they'll, like, take a drag off of their cigarette, which has also been shown to sometimes cause impotency, right? <laughs> like, the Wait, so, so, so it sounds like you're saying they're idiots. Strong. I mean, let's, let's, let's just throw it out there. I mean... You're an idiot if, if if you listen to that blathering fucking fool for all those years and you let it seep into your brain and you don't have the capacity or the interest 
to to actually look at how things actually work in the world. I'm sorry, that's probably the definition of being an idiot. You know, it's just it's just stupid. And I understand why people are there. And I understand that we're talking generally about a bunch of uneducated individuals who don't have the desire to try to get the right information because they're happy living in their little bubble. I get that. That doesn't mean they're not an idiot. I'm sorry. It, it, you're an idiot. And, and, and I wish that there was a way to get to these people. Clearly, I'm not the one who should be doing that because I'll just call them idiots. But so, somehow we have to try to get through to these individuals and let them understand that Bill Gates doesn't give a shit where you're at. He doesn't care. He's not going to track you. And you know what? You can even tell that to your friends when you're on Facebook on your phone. I was going to say, you're already being tracked on Facebook if you're using You're getting tracked 17 ways to Sunday, for God's sake. But again, they're idiots. Anyway, I want to call out Emily, who said uh, there was a TikTok about this. This is a great point. If you're struggling with getting an appointment, suggestion was to search for conservative counties, and the Walgreens will get you in that day. Not a surprise, you know? No. And and I I I know I'm an asshole for calling me idiots, but... They really are. I mean, just use your head, look at things, make an educated decision. I know they're not educated, so they probably can't do that. But like, I don't know. I don't know how we break through that wall. I don't. That, and that's what frustrates me, right? Because I'm, I, I live in an apartment building. There's probably like 20 idiots, idiots in this building right now who are saying, oh, I ain't going to get vaccinated because you're, you're going to try to control my 5G. And like, like, how do we fix that? I don't even know. I mean, I don't know that you can, right? Like each person is going to do what they're going to do. Like this is the frustration that some of these health experts had. Like they were talking about how in some counties, I think it was even like Wyoming where these people were like, it was either Wyoming or like Idaho where these people were like, stop sending us vaccines. We don't have space. Like our freezers are full. Like we don't have space for these people are not coming for these they don't want them so please send these to other places where people want them and it's just frustrating man you know i mean i can't even say anything good can we just move on because if i try to say something positive it's just gonna be negative again yes let's please move on final word on the subject they're fucking idiots i'm sorry y'all hate me for it if you want but instead, let's talk about the guy that they really don't like. We got uh, we got more politics. Biden's first 100 days. What, why are we talking about this, B? So, as Joe Biden nears 100 days in office, pundits are reviewing how he's done so far. Polls by our friends at Pew Research and Politico show that Biden has job approval ratings of 59 and 60 percent. Biden also has touted that he met his goal of administering 200 million COVID-19 doses and was able to get additional stimulus relief passed to millions of Americans. Over the past few weeks, Republicans have sought to shift the focus of Biden's presidency to the U.S.-Mexico border, which has seen a surge of unaccompanied migrant children hoping to cross the border friend of the show ron johnson who we've now brought up twice in the span of like two minutes of the week (laughs) believes that the press is enabling biden saying when you have the mainstream media in your back pocket you're going to stay popular now the reason so the reason that i put this on here is i just wanted to kind of check in with you so we talked about this all through election season and things like that so how are you feeling about Biden's first 100 days in office. Are you feeling good, bad, indifferent? What do you feel? So here's the funny thing is 
during during the last presidential uh, span, um, I paid attention to politics a lot to see just how much this bumbling fool was was fucking with our country. I really haven't paid much attention. Like I've seen news stories, but I haven't really focused on them a lot. Um, and I and I think part of that is because I I feel like I I don't have to fear that something horrific is happening every other day. But um, I mean, he, you, you, the vaccines have gotten out a hell of a lot faster. Now, to be fair, it's also been just, just time-wise, there's been more time. So, you know, things have developed more and, and um, manufacturing has had more time. So all of those things play into that. But, um, but it's been much, much easier for people to get vaccines. So the vaccine thing, he definitely hit that. Um, the, the the when I was reading through the article, there was a lot of conversations about the uh, the Republicans were saying, you know, they're he's just pushing through all this stuff, and he says it's bipartisan, but we're not agreeing with it. And I'm thinking, motherfuckers, what did you do for the last four years? Like every single thing you wanted to do, you just pushed it through, and you fucking thumbed your nose at all at any of the Democrats. Because you're like, well, fuck you. You can't do nothing about it. And the thing is, is they weren't even trying to be a little bit sick. They were like flat out. They were practically dancing with their shirts off inside the fucking halls on the vote saying, motherfuckers, you can't do nothing. How do you like me now? It's like, and now you're whining and crying like a bunch of fucking little babies. Like, get the fuck out of here. Now, don't get me wrong. I do think that there should be bipartisanship. I think that we, we, we need to work together to create solutions. But the simple problem is, and I know that this is something I'm incredibly pessimistic about, it's never going to happen. In today's politics, everything is partisan. Everything. Like they, You could have a Democrat and a Republican go to a fucking lunch together and they would argue about what they should have for lunch because it's just everything is splitting people apart. So I would love to say you need to you know, reach across the aisle. I think back to uh, John McCain and Russ Feingold, who worked very well together, right? They crossed the aisle constantly. They just danced in the aisle and brought people with them. That shit just doesn't happen anymore. It just doesn't really exist. So, you know, I think that Biden is moving forward with a lot of great things. I think he's he's pushing through the things that he said that he would do. Um, I, th- I think he needs to do a lot more on, on the, the racial issues that we're seeing. Definitely on the police thing, I made a very, <laughs> a very uh, uh, direct post on Facebook about him earlier this week when he said something, I think it was an article that said, um, Joe Biden is, is praying for, uh, this verdict to, to go the right way or some shit like that. Right. And I'm like, motherfucker, this is your job. This is what you were fucking elected for. This is why we put your ass in that seat is to fix this shit. Don't be praying to no invisible God that doesn't fucking exist. None of us wanted to hear that goddamn bullshit. Fucking fix it. That's where I'm at. So that's where I think he needs to get his ass in gear. And because I think we what we control both the House and, and the Senate, or at least it's really, really close, like we can push through some of this stuff. Get it fixed. Get it fucking fixed. Well, and I think one of the things that was part of that article is it seems like a lot of the Republicans who have come out to talk about it are feeling frustrated because they're not able to like push him around and like get all of these yeah. narratives on him because he is just like this very generic politician, right? Like he's not somebody who they can be like, oh, he had this big scandal or he did X, Y, Z. He's and generally like, a likable guy. Right. So like they tried the whole touchy feely thing and it didn't really stick. And mm-hmm. is is he a little bit on the creepy side? Maybe, but generally, 
He's a likable guy. Yeah. So the biggest thing that I think has been helpful is he has really kind of de-escalated tensions overall, right? Like whenever something happens, you don't have to be fearful of what the leader in the president is going to say about it, right? Like you're not running to your television. You're not running to Twitter. You're not running to the internet to figure out what has our president said now that's going to piss off half of the rest of the world, right? Like he's very much that kind of buttoned up, like I'm going to, you know, stay on the line and kind of keep things moving. Obviously there's a lot that he could or should, or we hope that he'll be able to do. But I feel like the first 100 days has been overall okay. There's a lot more work to do, but I think it's progress in the sense that, you know, like he was touting, like people are getting their COVID vaccine shots and there was a stimulus package that was passed. And we're having these conversations about police reform and all of these other things that we as a country can do to you know bring some of these gaps and make them smaller so i'm hopeful i mean obviously we have to see it's a long road between now and when the next you know presidential election is going to happen but at least i don't feel like in these first hundred days he's lost a whole lot of people because it sounds like especially from that article he has gained a little bit of the trust of folks who might vote more independent folks who might vote a little bit more progressive or who might be like more of those like even moderate uh republicans where those folks are able to like listen to reason on certain topics obviously the big knock against him with the general gop is they're saying oh he's spending too much money and eventually people aren't going to like that because he's spending every nickel and dime that the united states has but you know we'll see how that goes i mean i think he's got a long way to go before he catches up with trump's golf trips but i think uh when i look when i look at you know kind of grading his first hundred days i think it's kind of like you know, when you're in elementary school, they don't actually give you a grade. They give you like a check and a check plus or whatever, or a check minus if you're doing bad. I think it's a check and maybe half of a plus, like the up and down part. That way it doesn't look like a check minus. Like he's doing all right, but we'll, yeah. we'll see where it goes. That's fair. All right, I'm spinning. Give us something. Okay. I mean, this is something. Um, I don't know why we're listening to millennials, but uh, we're going to listen to this millennial who... Uh, Who's writing about Dave? Good old Dave. What has Dave got to say for this millennial? This article is terrible, and I kind of wish I hadn't put it on. Here. I kind of wish too. I read through that, and I was like, I think I'm dumber for, for having read this. <laughs> so Jennifer Rosner wrote an op-ed comparing the differences between boomers and millennials, according to her dad. She wrote Dave. That, <laughs> I like Dave. She wrote that millennials, unlike their predecessors, have a pathological. They basically pathologically want to look for the short term at the expense of the long game. So many of them have been given things without having earned them, such as getting an A for showing up to class. As a digital native, millennials may only know a world in which an endless supply of options is available. And then the pandemic hits. So people are realizing that life is short. Death is all around us, and the oldest of us millennials will turn 40 this year, and that it's time for people to grow up. 
Rosner says that there is hope as she's seeing several of her millennial friends who used to play the field are wanting to settle down. People who never wanted to get pregnant are getting pregnant. Or people who never expressed interest in buying a house are moving to the suburbs and renovating houses because they have an intention of being there for the long haul. So basically, this person is saying that the pandemic is going to make people settle down. Now, I personally have some grievances with this. So I don't know if you want me to start with my grievances or if you let me get, let me, let me, let me dive in real quick. Okay. So first of all, I like Dave. I, I, I relate more with Dave than I do. Whoever the girl was that wrote the article. Um, but Dave is, uh, I'm wondering if Dave is a Republican who refused to get a vaccine. Cause he's kind of an idiot a little bit. So I have issues with using generalizations to, to, like group a bunch of people together. I just I just hate those generalizations to begin with. And especially when it comes to whatever these are, what are they, generations or whatever the term would be. Um, I don't think that all millennials are looking for the short gain. I don't think all millennials are given things handed to them. Um, are there some? Sure. Is life different in 2020 than it was in 1920 when you were, you know, in your 30s, Dave? Maybe. Um, no, completely, right? But I think that that generalization is false. Um, I, I know many people who are millennials. I'm pretty sure you're a millennial, B, um, on the older side, but you're a millennial. And and they're, they, they, they work their ass off. They are, you know, none, none of that stuff is true. So he's generalizing things, right? And I'm sure that part of that probably has to do with the fact that he's talking to his daughter. Right. Because as, as parents, I think I think parents always kind of see things from a certain lens when they're working with their kids. Like I have to spend eighty five thousand dollars to close you and food you and put a roof over your head and all that shit. Right. So I think I think Dave is way off base there. Um, that said, with um, uh, the, the, the lady, I don't remember what her name was, but the person who wrote this saying that uh, millennials, they're all going to change their stories and they're all going to change their lives and. You know, she said that people are noticing death all around them. So they're going to buckle up and they're going to, you know, settle down. And lady, um, I'm not sure which pandemic you were here for, but I seem to remember a whole lot of fucking millennials who were out on beaches partying and drinking and swapping spit and doing all the wonderful, crazy things that, uh, you know, young people do. And not all of them are millennials. I'm sure a lot of those are whatever, Zoomers or whatever they are. Um, but yeah, they sure shit didn't look like they're settling down, but guess what? You're, you're doing the same thing. Dave is you're making a lot of assumptions. Like maybe you have changed your mind. Maybe you are thinking that things are settling down. Maybe you're even seeing that in some of your group of, of people and that's great, but don't generalize an entire fucking generation of people because then you just look like an asshole. So Part of me wants to keep my mouth shut. Part of me wants to go off on this, but I think I'm going to go off on it because one of the things that bothers me is we are identifying and saying, these are the things that you as a person need to do to be considered having grown up, right? Like you need to get pregnant. You need to go buy a house. You need to settle down with one person and be monogamous. You have to have this one job where you want to go to an office 40 hours a week and sit there and chit chat and chit chat. We need to stop telling people what is good for them. 
right? Like that's what bothers me about this because this is a privilege issue. It's a privilege to be able to go buy a house. It's a privilege to be able to get pregnant. These are not things that everybody can do. So to be able to put those out there as milestones and say, these are the things that you do when you're settling down and when you're mature, I disagree. Because for some people, buying a house is never going to be a financial reality. For some people, getting pregnant is never going to be a reality because maybe they have infertility or some other issues that will prevent them from being able to do that. That doesn't mean that they're not grown up. They have lots of different things that they could do to be a grown up. You okay, B? Yeah, I'm fine. You, like, you, need, you need a hug? No, I mean, but like that, this is part of what we've talked about this whole time is identifying when people are letting their bias flag fly, right? Like all of these things that this person has mentioned are very specific to a very specific group of people who have said, these are the things that you as a person need to do to be identified as a successful grown up, right? Like, If you don't fall within this group, you are not a grown-up. You are not successful. And I feel like we set people up for failure when we do these things to people because there are so many people out there either who advocate for themselves or who don't advocate for themselves who are in this position. I know at least a couple people that are in my Twitter timeline who have so many issues with trying to get pregnant and infertility and things like that and how inferior it makes them feel when they come back and they have this, you know, negative pregnancy test and things like that. Like that's the kind of stuff that fires me up because for this chick to get out here and say, Oh, you're a grown up now. Cause you got pregnant. Really? You're just slapping people in the face at this point. I just want to say that I'm 40 something and I don't own a home and uh, I don't have no kids which is a good thing, by the way, Chad. Um, and I'm pretty sure that my uh, sore lower back will uh, prove that I am a grown-up. And if Dave and his little girl have issues with that, I'll give them my address. They can come up here and we'll fucking talk about it. Because, uh, yeah, like, let people live their life how they want to live it. You know what? I'm 40-some years old. I play video games. Not for a living. That would be cool. But, you know, I sit online and I stream myself playing fucking video games to people. Like, does that make me not a grown-up? What makes me a grown-up? I have I have a career. I have a job that I've been at for ten plus years. Does that make me a grown-up? I have a, I'm paying for a car right now. I bought a brand new car, like brand new off the lot. Does that make me a grown-up? I uh, go to the doctor on my own. I have my own insurance. Maybe that makes me a grown-up. Just leave people alone. Let people live the lifestyle they want. Right. Like you know, and- as long as they're not hurting anybody fucking leave them alone. Yeah. I mean, and I'll admit like, I'm a little bit close to this. Like I have a lot of people in my life who are building houses, buying houses, looking at houses. I have a little bit of resentment because of my certain circumstance. I will never be able to live in the suburbs. I can't go to a suburb with no public transportation to build the house of my dreams or my wife's dreams because there's no public transportation there. And that's a circumstance that I I'm not in control of. I was born that way. I was born without being able to drive. So, you know, like that's the kind of stuff that really kind of sets me off, Christopher. Yeah, no, I get that. I was born unable to drive too. It took me like 16 years before I could do that. Anyway, I'm going to spin the wheel. <laughs> you need the bottom ching for that. <laughs> 
All right. We're not hitting on, I don't know what else all on this wheel. I don't know what I was expecting to come up, but we are going to talk about something that uh, our friends who don't get vaccinated really don't like uh, basic income in Los Angeles. <laughs> all right. So, LA Mayor Eric Garcetti is proposing a $24 million basic income program in the city budget. The program would provide $1,000 a month to 2,000 LA families for one year. This proposal is in addition to the Los Angeles City Council plans to spend more than $11 million in funds that are being diverted from the Los Angeles Police Department budget on initiatives in South LA and the San Fernando Valley in a similar basic income program. So basically what's happening here is everybody is stealing Andrew Yang's gimmick. Are they now? I mean, Andrew Yang, so when he was in the primaries, like his whole gimmick was like, I want to have everybody have a basic income. Like, yeah. I want to give you X number of dollars. I think it was like $2,000 a month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. Um, I think that basic income makes a ton of sense. I don't think that a blanket amount for everybody makes any sense. Like, I'd love to get an extra $2,000 a month, but I don't know that I need it. I would like it. I kind of need it a little bit, but certainly not as much as a lot of people do, right? Um, but here's the thing. Like, I don't know if they're going about it the right way. The, the article talked about a bunch of different programs going on, on in LA. I know Compton jumped out right ahead of me. They're giving, I think, 50 people six to $800 a month or something like that for six months or something. Um, but here's the thing. There, there, were, there were a couple brothers couple of years back who saw a need. And so they, they worked on stuff and they, they, you know, got wood and, and tarps and nails and they put together this crazy ass airplane looking thing. And, and eventually the Wright brothers got that thing to fly. I bring that up as an example because they didn't try to build a 747. They tried to build this cheap-ass thing to see if they could get it to fly. And eventually, after many, many years and many, many people, that became a 747, right? Like, this is not what basic income probably should be. But we have to try some shit out before we know what it could be or should be. And so I think it's cool. I think it's great that we're we're throwing stuff against the wall, so to speak, and, and just seeing what works, what doesn't work. I, I think it should be... There's there's probably some sort of studies that have to go on with this. I don't know exactly what that would look like, but but yeah, let's try it. Let's let's throw some stuff out there. Let's at minimum, you know, depending on how they're choosing, and I'm guessing they're choosing people who are you know on the lower income side. At minimum, even if it turns out to be you know something that's not sustainable or something that didn't work the way we expected, you're still giving a lift up to some people that actually need it. So worst case scenario, you're helping some people. Exactly. I definitely think that that's the important point is you're helping folks, you're trying to be productive, you're trying to do something for individuals who then hopefully can help and better themselves. I kind of think about this yeah. like the Evanston story that we talked about a couple of yeah. weeks ago where it's like, all right, we're going to give you this thing for housing and then you might be able to buy this house or renovate right. your renovate. house or whatever yeah. and then you can better yourself. So I think that's super important. And that's why I wanted to talk about this because I think this is very 
interesting. And again, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But it's important that we're trying things because if it yeah. works, it can definitely be a pilot program. And obviously there's the folks who are all about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps who are going to get really frustrated about this. But the biggest thing to consider is that if someone, and this is something that I've heard a lot recently, like I've been listening to different podcasts and things like that. There are a lot of people who are like, oh, well, I started my first job and I made a dollar 25 or I started my first job and I made 75 cents an hour. And I'm proud of that. And there are a lot of people who will say, well, you're not supposed to work full time in a job that's paying you minimum wage. Well, these jobs are needed. These are jobs that a lot of people yeah. don't want to do. So if this person wants to do that job, pay them a livable wage. Don't right. get mad if this person wants to you know, stay on their benefits or if they want to get this basic income because they're working that job. Don't get mad at them for that. Actually compensate them for the job that they're doing. Like that's part yeah. of the issue. That's part of the challenge. And this is something that was interesting. And I didn't mention this during the Biden story, but one of the things that he had mentioned is that there's a plan in place for employers who have less than 500 employees where he wants those employers to give people paid time off to go get their vaccine shot. And if they right. have to call in the next day, he's like, the government will reimburse you for this. Like there's right. a way for you to not go into the red so that you can treat these people with dignity. And like, we need to start treating minimum wage employees with dignity. And like, that's part of the problem, but I will get into that later because that's going to be part of my extra point. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the funny thing is, is the people who say, pull yourself, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Um, they're very generally people who look like me, old white guys. Um, they also have never had to use bootstraps because they were born with fucking silver slippers on. And what they don't realize is a whole lot of people don't have bootstraps because they're so fucking poor. They don't even have fucking boots. All right. They can't pull themselves up by their bootstraps. They don't understand that because they only see things from their very privileged perception. That, that, that's the problem. Um, but I do think it's worth there is there was there was a point that I thought was semi valid. I think it was from some Republican dude. It might not have been. It might have been like a local guy. Um, but they talked about some of the benefits that you get from working and, and, and will this entice people to not work? Right? There's a whole bunch of people on the on the right that you'll hear bitching right now about people who are collecting unemployment instead of working or whatever. And I don't know how much that's legitimate. I'm sure there's some of that. Um, but I think that's a fair point. Not that not that people are necessarily going to do that. But, you know, there there's just a self-worth that you get from working and, and, and doing a job. Um, it also helps you with, you know, just social interactions, um, getting to know people and just getting used to talking with people and interacting with people. And there's a lot of benefits to that. So, you know, I go back to what I said earlier, which is if we're going to do this, great, let's test it. But we have to research. We have to do some of that. Like, hey, if we're going to give you this money to test it out and see how things work, but we're also going to check in with you and see how things have impacted. Are you still working? Are you working the same amount? Are you working less? Did you get a new job? Whatever. Let's 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 look into those things and see what's working, what's not, and then adjust that as we move forward, right? We're we're still at the the Wright brothers plane. We're nowhere near that 747. So 
let's crash a few times. Let's, you know, wreck a few things and that's fine. Going to be a few broken bones here or there, but those will heal. Eventually, hopefully we can get to that 747. Definitely. So I feel like we're at a point where maybe if we want to throw our challenge flag on a topic, we can do that. Otherwise, I think it is time for us to move on to uh, random rankings here. I agree. Um, what do we have out there? We've got uh, Aaron Rodgers. We haven't talked about him. CBS. Uh, um, the Mi- Minneapolis police love journalists. Uh, uh, the shift in Major League Baseball. NCAA transgender issues and signal got a little bit happy with uh with the israelis so is there anything that you are adamant about talking about tonight keep in mind chat if you weren't aware we also do an extra episode this is pitch time by the way we do an extra episode for our patrons so if you are subscribed on patreon above the uh partner level i think student level if you are student level or above you get uh, you get the extra episode that we record every every week, and generally that's going to be extra stuff that we haven't talked about. So, for instance, the five or six topics I just mentioned. Um, but sometimes we do something off the wall. I mean, we are random after all, so you never really know what you get. But if you want to support what we're doing here, support the stream, support you know Sconzi and whatever, that's where you can do that monetarily if you so choose. B you want to throw a challenge flag? I'm good on not throwing a challenge flag myself. All right. So let's just move to random rankings then. Cause you okay. know, I, I can always wrap some of this into my extra point if I want to. All right. So we're going, we're, we're moving forward. We are going to random rankings. Yes, we are. So last week we started our bracket where we selected with the help of the patrons, 64 different fictional characters and we're trying to decide who do we want to be stranded on a deserted island with. Now, again, why we want to be deserted on an island with these people is to our own interpretation. But the key is if Skanzi and I agree, that person moves on in the bracket. If Skanzi and I disagree, those of you in the chat can help us figure out who moves to the next round. That's right. And there may be many reasons why you want to be stuck on an island with an individual person. So just to uh, give a really quick recap. So the way we came up with this list is Brian and I started, we just created a bunch of fictional characters and then we opened it up to our patrons. Again, another, another plug for Patreon. If you want to support the, uh, the stream and you want to get into some of the extra stuff. Um, and they gave us a bunch of names as well. So again, who would you want to be stuck on a deserted beach with? And, and to keep in mind, it could be, and Wiggum's calling that out right now, the, the bracket could be, you know, your focus could be, I want to get off the island. I want someone who will be entertaining on the island. Uh, if you're a sick old man, maybe it's, I want the hottest woman on the island. Whatever the case may be, your motives could be whatever they want to be. And for me personally, it might change as you go through the different partners, the, the different pairings. So um, here I'm going to recap really quick what we had. So Jack Bauer from the TV show 24, um, he knocked off Fred Sanford from Sanford and Sons. Maybe literally, you never know. Uh, Sherlock Holmes won over Garfield because Sherlock Holmes is a genius and Garfield is a fat cat that won't do anything. Uh, ben Linus from Lost beat out Homie D. Clown from Living Color. I'm not sure why he went out. I guess because maybe he'll want to get us off the island. I think he'll just want to kill us. 
Um, Wonder Woman won over Gandalf. To be fair, I said she was hot, and that was part of the reason I chose her over Gandalf. Yep. Um, plus, she, plus, she has an invisible plane, but we said no invisible plane. Otherwise, she'll sweep the bracket because she'll get us off the island easily. Um, because homie don't play that. Well played. Uh, Bugs Bunny beat out Fonzie. I'm not sure exactly why that was. I don't remember. Uh, because Bugs Bunny may be able to help you find food on the island. And you said that he, he could possibly he could possibly dig you off the island. Oh, yeah. He digs his way to China a lot. Uh, Katniss Everdeen over William Riker, which broke my bearded heart. But uh, she clearly has survived worse things. Um, Inspector Gadget over Brian Mills, the guy from Taken. Kind of obvious if you know who Inspector Gadget is. And uh, this one also hurt my soul a little bit, but Cole Thornton from El Dorado, useless on a deserted island, uh, lost out to Dr. Gregory House. So I think that this is <laughs> this first one should be a landslide, but we've got Pennywise, the dancing clown, against Dr. Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park. So one of them will absolutely murder you and eat your soul, and the other one, you know, he won't. So who so are I'm, you choosing, I'm, Christopher? I'm, I'm voting. I don't want my soul eaten, so I'm going to go with Dr. Ian Malcolm. Let's do it. All right. That, that seemed like an easy one. Can I just drag that over? No. i got to remember how to do that. Oh, yeah, i got to put a score in here. He wins one to nothing. Submit the score. All right. He wins uh, 15 now, to 2. <laughs> now we've got uh, the Terminator from the Terminator. And this is the original Terminator. So the Arnold Schwarzenegger wants to kill you. Um, and then Martin Pa from Martin. I Martin don't know what Payne that is. From Martin. Martin Payne. Is that what it's supposed to be? Yeah, Payne. Okay. <sighs> well, so the hard part, so the Terminator wants to kill you. He's not going to help you, right? Well, he wants, he wants to kill, you know, that other kid, Sarah Connor. He wants to kill Sarah Connor and you are not Sarah, Sarah Connor. Wiggum wants to be John Connor, which means then he get killed. But that was really the second one when he was killing John Connor. He wants to, I mean, it, it, inevitably the goal is to kill John Connor, but he's going to do that by killing Sarah Connor. I'm not Sarah Connor, but he also might grab me by my throat and make me tell him where Sarah Connor is, and I can't because she's make believe. So I think I'm, I'm. I don't even know who Martin Payne is, but I'm voting for that person. All right, yeah, Martin. Martin's not really going to be of much use on an island. He could tell you jokes. He could keep you entertained, but but will he kill you? No, he won't kill you. All right, then I think then he definitely gets my vote. All right, then we're going with Martin. All right, Martin gets the vote. All right. Ooh, this is interesting. But again, we've got so many people here that'll kill you in this bracket. Uh, we got Simon <laughs> Phoenix, who's the bad guy from Demolition Man. The um, uh, Wesley Snipes character. And then we got Marty McFly from Back to the Future. What do you think, B? So I'm so Marty McFly. Is there a way to make like a time machine on the island to get you off of the island? <laughs> well, Marty didn't make I don't know if you've seen Back to the Future. I know that you're not a big movie guy, but uh Marty McFly didn't create the time machine. His um, crazy professor guy did. And it was a DeLorean, so it was a car. Car, right. It had to get up to 88 miles per hour, which I'm pretty sure you're not going to be able to do on an island. So right. even if you had the DeLorean, I'm pretty sure he can't help you with that. Right. Doc yeah, Brown. I, I was go. familiar with that, right? But so I don't feel like either of these characters would be terribly useful on a deserted island. I feel like I Simon. Agree. I feel like Simon would at least like... 
if there were animals or something that were like trying to murder you, like Simon Phoenix might be helpful in that way, but you would still kind of be on your own. Like Simon Phoenix might like feed you to the animals and then just run off. One of them is very funny. That's true. Simon Phoenix was very funny. He also, when he was frozen, because somebody like, because in this movie, they freeze you when you're in prison. And so when he was frozen, he had like a behavioral implant or some shit like that that made him like extra, extra bad. Like he was extra smart and extra ruthless and he knew how to handle all these guns. So like he'd be a good person to have because he, again, to get off the island. But I think the problem is, is because he's such an evil person, as funny as he is, like if there was any split second where you being dead would benefit him, you would be dead. Yep. So I, I think I got to go Marty McFly so I don't die. I'm going to go with Simon Phoenix and let the chat decide because All I'm, right, not really, chat. I, I'm not really invested in either of these characters. Chat, it's up to you. I think I've got a Simon Phoenix. Oh, yeah, it's on this one. I don't know which one my – is it this one? You look great today. Okay, that's not actually Simon Phoenix, but it's a, it's, it's a Simon Phoenix scene that makes me laugh my ass off. Chat, it's up to you. Simon Phoenix – Bad guy from Demolition Man or Marty McFly from Back to the Future. Give us your vote. Old Man Wiggum says, Simon, because I want things to be funny before I die with Marty. Okay. We got one vote for Simon Phoenix. We'll give it another 30 seconds, chat. If anybody else has an opinion on who you think should be on the island with us. I'm going to very slowly start to fill in Simon Phoenix. Simon Phoenix. Very slowly. Yep, Simon's got two. Simon again. All right, we're going to say that's a wrap then. Let's do it. Simon Phoenix, that's going to end horribly. All right, and now we've got Skeletor from Masters of the Universe, which I haven't watched that show in forever. I don't even remember who he I just know he's a bad guy. And uh, he is going up against Ray Kinsella, the protagonist from the best baseball movie ever. Uh, Field of Dreams. All right, you got to sell me on both of these because I'm not familiar. I can't really sell you on Skeletor. I just know he's a bad guy and he's like, he's got a skeleton face and he wears a hood. Um, I'm guessing his goal is to kill He-Man because that's always the goal, right? Is to kill the good guy. Um, So I'm guessing it's probably not a good thing to be stuck with him. Ray Kinsella, uh, he's a farmer in Iowa and uh, he hears visions or he hears voices and he sees visions that tells him to... um, to rip up all of his corn and to build a baseball field in the middle of an Iowa cornfield, which I've been to, by the way, Chad, and it's pretty fucking amazing. Um, so, I mean, I think between the two, again, I want to go to the one who's not going to kill me and go with uh, Ray Kinsella. Little Skeletor has a, has a big vote in all caps in the chat, but I'm going to go with Ray Kinsella. If you build it, they will come. Yeah. Well, and, and old man, wake up a good call. Like he's a farmer, man. Maybe if we're stuck there long term, he can, he can, he wasn't a very good farmer, though, to be fair. But maybe you could grow some stuff. All right, we're halfway through the bracket. Next, we've got, ooh, interesting. John McClane from Die Hard and Tyler Durden from Fight Club. Familiar with these guys, B? I'm vaguely familiar with Fight Club. I'm not familiar with the I'm, other guy. All right, he's a better farmer than me. That's fair. All right, so John McClane um, is a retired, I think he's retired, Maybe he wasn't retired. No, he wasn't retired. He's a New York City cop, and uh, he just always ends up in the wrong situation. He, uh, and, and it's not a Christmas movie, by the way. But uh, 
he ends up in all these situations where he's got to fight all these bad guys. And he came up with a yippee Kaye motherfucker line, which is pretty awesome. Um, so yeah, he's, he's kind of the guy who just kind of gets stuff done. And uh, Tyler Durden, you're a little familiar with, but Tyler Durden, no, it's not a Christmas movie. Stop that right now. Uh, Tyler Durden is uh, the main character of Fight Club. Um, he's kind of both characters, but uh, uh, he's an anarchist, I think is the best way to uh, to say. You know, he's trying to kill off all the credit card companies to reset everybody back to zero, basically. I don't know that either of these will be very helpful. I don't no. think either of them are particularly dangerous. But I don't know if either of them are super helpful. I don't know that either of them like would help us get off the island or would be very much help on the island. I feel like Tyler Durden would just probably confuse you and like make you just start hallucinating or something. Yeah, maybe. I th- I'm thinking I'm thinking John McClane. Yeah, to your point, let's like if we go way off the ledge, like let's say like uh the pirates from that that Tom Hanks movie show up and they want to kill us. John McClane will save us. So I think John McClane gets my vote. All right, let's do it. All right, John McClane. Now Plus we have to remember too. that for the next round. <laughs> Why <laughs> did we vote for us? him again? Oh, yeah. uh, oh, this is this is my boy, my favorite TV show of all time. Captain Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly against Silent Bob Aww. from Jay and Silent Bob. Jay doesn't even, or Silent Bob doesn't even fucking talk, man. I mean, Silent Bob, so here's the thing, like, Silent Bob is going to come through in the clutch with advice when you need it. Like, Silent Bob won't say anything or do anything, but then, like, when you're just muttering out loud to yourself, all of a sudden Silent Bob will say something and you'll be like, oh, that's great, this is what I'm going to do. Let me, let me, let me lay the scene for you, B. We're stuck on a deserted island. Okay. By we, I mean you, just you. And Silent Bob. Yep. And you're trying to talk to him. You're trying to have a conversation. You're trying to get some help, trying to get some food so you can survive. You are stuck on that deserted island for seven years, B. And finally, you see a ship coming your way. You are going to be saved. And at that point, Silent Bob says, hey, by the way, did you know that uh, there's an area right over there where you could have got food for seven years, but uh, you never found it? I just thought I'd let you know that now. Fuck Silent Bob. I'm taking Captain Malcolm Reynolds. I don't know who Captain Malcolm Reynolds is, but I'll go with you. All right. Well, we need to solve that too, dude. We need to watch that show because it's amazing and you would love it. I promise. I vote Silent Bob. Well, Captain Reynolds wins. Don't be hating on my boy, Emily. All right. <laughs> this is, we've got so many like automatics on here as far as I'm concerned. We got Cersei Lannister from Game of Thrones. And Spock from Star Trek. So we got the very genius guy, very logical guy. And then we've got the woman who would sacrifice anybody for anything that she wants. So basically what you're saying is we're voting for Spock and moving on. I mean, I don't think it makes much sense to vote for her. Do it. All right. Chad, you're not getting a lot of chances here. Emily. Emily, you got to do it. I promise you'll love it. I've never seen Game of Thrones. Don't watch Game of Thrones. The last season was complete trash. All right, B, this is one you got to take the lead on. Okay. April Ludgate. I don't know who that is. 
and Fox Mulder from X-Files. April right. Ludgate from Parks and Rec. You guys probably know that. So I didn't put Fox Mulder on here, so I don't know a whole lot about Fox Mulder. But you, you tell us about April. I'll tell us about Fox Mulder. So April Ludgate is like a very smart, but also like very snarky character. So April huh? is kind of brilliant, but often kind of like plays the role of like the disengaged snarky person. So you know how your boy Dave was describing millennials? Yeah, fucking Dave. That is April Ludgate, what Dave is describing. Except April Ludgate is amazing and intellectual and very smart, but also very funny and very snarky. So I will vote for April Ludgate. Okay. Um, I will give you that vote. Um, Fox Mulder from The X-Files, which is a great show, which I need to go back and watch again. Um, Fox Mulder is an FBI agent whose sister was potentially kidnapped by aliens, I think. Um, and so his whole career has been about chasing what are called the X-Files, which are like paranormal or unsolved kind of weird situations. So the show is all about those kind of things. But I don't think Fox Mulder would be very good on the island. I figure he would you know, like spend all the days talking about how we're going to get captured by aliens or something. Like I just... <laughs> And he's a he's he's got a very particular sense of humor that I think I would really appreciate. But uh, I'll give you this one: right. April Ludgate wins this one. All right, and that is the end of today's bracket. So we'll do a real quick uh, summary. We've got here we go: Doctor Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park over Pennywise, the dancing clown who wants to dance on your grave. We've got Martin Payne over Terminator, who would kill you. We've got Simon Phoenix over Marty McFly. I, I think Simon Phoenix probably killed Marty McFly so he could win, um, but he's funny. So that's what we went with. Um, we went with Ray Kinsella over Skeletor because we don't want to die and because maybe he can plant food, even though he's really, really, really bad at it. But maybe he can make a baseball field on the island. We don't know. Um, John McClane over Tyler Durden, mainly because we're looking out for that Tom Hanks pirate ship. And John McClane would kill them all. And then he'd smile and say, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. We went with Captain Malcolm Reynolds over Silent Bob because Silent Bob just wouldn't talk and wouldn't be very helpful. At least uh, at least Malcolm Reynolds would come up with some really bad plans for us. Uh, we went with Spock over Cersei Lannister again because we don't want to die. And Spock is brilliant, so he could probably help us. And then we went with April Ludgate over Fox Mulder because she's funny. And apparently funny is all we need if we're stuck on a deserted island. So that's what we got. We've got two more brackets for the first round, so we're going to continue that uh, next week. But before that, I think it's time for you, B, Me. to give us your extra, extra point. Except where is it? There it is. Extra, extra point. So, everybody, it has been quite the week, right? So we had the Derek Chauvin trial and the verdict for the trial we had another, you know, police shooting. We've had lots of different stuff go on this week. So there's a couple different things that I want to touch on here. First, when it comes to the Derek Chauvin verdict, right? Like I wanted to bring that up. And I'm sure that those of you who watched the stream were kind of surprised that we didn't have that on the run sheet. I specifically said I'm not putting it on the run sheet because it's going to be part of my extra point. The reason that I'm making that part of my extra point is it is a huge decision that an individual who abused their power has been brought to accountability. 
that's one of the things in this country that has eluded us for years upon years upon years. So it's really important that we have an opportunity to acknowledge that our justice system for once has not failed us in that way. So we definitely need to take that opportunity to acknowledge that and appreciate that. But one of the other things that I want to say is it's really important that we as a people look at ourselves and we look at how we look at these different situations. And I think a challenge for me right now is that we live in a society where we are too quick to blame the victim. And instead, we don't often ask the question of how did this person get into this situation and what could we have done about it, right? So that's part of all of these different things that are going on. Like there was an article on the um, board today that we didn't get to about Minneapolis police targeting press and talking about like taking away their phones and taking away their cameras and trying to break their cameras. And one of the press members asked, you know, why are you doing this? And one of the police responded, this is our tactic now, right? To me, that is fucking terrifying because we as a society need information to move forward. We need to collaborate to move forward. We need to work together to move forward. So, you know, when you see a story, obviously you're going to have your own personal feelings about it before you know all the facts. But once you have all the facts, try to step back and try to think about it from a big picture perspective. Think about what could have been different. Is there something that could have made a difference or not? You know, Christopher and I had a long conversation about the police shooting in Columbus. And I feel like we both agreed no matter what we proposed, we could not think of something that we can say would have 100% made a difference. And that's sad because in the end, someone is dead. But at the same time, it's important to have that conversation because there's so many of these other stories that we talk about, whether that's George Floyd or Jacob Blake or Breonna Taylor or any of these stories where we could specifically point to one thing or the other and say, if this hadn't happened, this person would be alive today. And, you know, some of it comes back to my point about victim blaming. We as a society always want to blame the victim instead of looking at the situation of how did this victim get into the situation that they were placed in. So try as much as you can to step back and look at things from multiple perspectives and try to give people the benefit of the doubt when you can. But if you can't, then at least you know that you've done the best that you can to be open-minded. And that's my extra point for today. Oh, thanks B. Appreciate that. Um, per usual, I didn't spend a, uh, a lot of time thinking about my, my extra point, but um, I, I spent some time at the very, very beginning of stream tonight. I don't even know if anybody was here other than me and, and Brian. Um, I had a very up and down week this week. Um, it started off phenomenally, like first thing Monday morning, great news. And then it just kind of slowly went downhill as the week went on. And it just, it just brought starkly into focus how important it is that we all take care of ourselves and that we're all keeping an eye on where we are 
physically, mentally, emotionally, um, psychologically, all of that. And the importance of finding time to do what we each need to do to get there. We spend a lot of time here on, on Friday evenings talking about things that oftentimes aren't great. They aren't fun, right? We're talking about people getting shot by police. We're talking about Donald Trump. Nobody likes that. We're talking about all these, you know, things that aren't great. And uh, sometimes that gets to me too, and it might get to you too. And it's, and it's important to find those ways to find that release. Um, sometimes it's, you know, Monday morning was, was uh, what really got me off to a great start this week is I visited my doctor after a bunch of health issues I've been having. Had a, had a phenomenal appointment. Like, tests are phenomenal. You're doing great. Keep doing things. And it's like, great. I'm doing what I need to do to take care of me. Um, sometimes emotionally, I need to step away and do things. Maybe it's, you know, I'm, I, there's a lot of things I need to consider about my future to try to put me in the right place. So I guess this is just a, this is a way for me to reflect a little bit on where I've been this week. Um, some of the things that, that I've been thinking about and the ways that I put myself tried to put myself in a, in a positive headspace. Sometimes that's through meditation. Sometimes it's through reading. Sometimes it's just venting um, to Brian normally. Uh, sometimes it's just sitting on my porch with a fucking cigar that my neighbors hate. They can go fuck themselves. Uh, listening to some music and just tune out the goddamn world. Sometimes it's that. Find the thing that works for you, whatever that is. Go for a walk, exercise, work in your garden, talk to a friend, get plastered, Whatever it is, whatever it is that works for you to get you where you need to do, make sure you're doing that. Because sometimes it's so hard um, to really focus on you, and it can be really, really easy to lose track of that. And the next thing you know, you're sitting there and you're like, I am a complete mess. I, my, my health has gone downhill, or emotionally I'm just in a ter terrible place, or I've ordered all pizza for the last seven nights in a row, you know? There could be all kinds of things. So just take it, take the time. Be very, very aware of where you are emotionally um, and physically and everything else that goes with that. And make sure you take the time to take care of you because that's the most important thing you can do. That, that You always have to be number one. And it's, it's very hard sometimes to do that. So uh, chat, make sure you do that. That's what I've got, B. That sounds great. As my guy Trent Shelton would say, it all starts with you. So speaking of you, loyal viewer, loyal, loyal listener, you <laughs> can find us all of the different places online that you may want to find us. You can find me on Twitter at Landmark MKE. You can find Christopher on Twitter at Sconzi. You can find our little videos and quips at AQ underscore PROD on Twitter. You can also find Almost Qualified Productions on Facebook. You can find Sconzi on Patreon. You can find this podcast on Sconzi's YouTube channel. You can find Sconzi on Amazon Sidewalk. So if you no, need... No, I'm not on Sidewalk. <laughs> God damn it, me. So definitely reach out to us. Let us know your thoughts on the podcast. If you want us to cover different topics, if there's things that you like, if there's things that you don't like, if you want to yell at me about not taking the vaccine, please don't. I mean, I'll still listen because I'm a nice guy, but <laughs> do you have any other words of wisdom for the people, Christopher, before we let them go for the evening? No, nah, I got nothing. Y'all just take care of yourself. Yeah. Have a good weekend. Take care of yourself. We love you. We appreciate you. Have a good evening and we will talk to you next week, brother. Oh yeah. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>